please stand. I'll be reading from Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. Good morning. We kick off the Advent series today with a beautiful poem, otherwise known as the Kenosis Hymn or Self-Emptying Hymn. It takes us into the very heart of the gospel. If Jesus Christ, as we say, is central to the entire Bible, this hymn or this poem that Mark read for us takes us to the very center of the center because it speaks to us of the heart, the will, the mind of Christ. So it would be wise for us to take heed or maybe I should say to soak it in no, no. Maybe better still, to soak in it. Soak in it. So that we are drenched with the person of Christ. So much so that the, the water of life that we find ourselves drenching in, if anyone were to brush up even against us, they could not help but to get splashed by a bit of the water of life. Shall we pray? Let's bow our heads together. Our Father, we thank you for this moment, a divine moment. We thank you that you are with us, Emmanuel, in Christ our Lord. We humble ourselves before you, and we say, have your way in our midst. You know our hearts. You know our hurts. You know our needs. We think of 2 Corinthians 3.18. That we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as from the Lord. The Spirit, indeed, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to his beloved Philippian church. It is the first church in Europe. He's writing from a prison, a prison that he 
there is a high probability he will not leave. He certainly will not be alive. So there is a kind of swan song tenor to the message. The Philippian church, you can trace back the beginnings in Acts chapter 16. They send Epaphroditus to visit him in prison with gifts to help sustain him along the way. He takes a different approach in this letter. Normally when the Apostle Paul writes, he has an argument that he pulls through the entire letter. But here... In Philippians, everything is centered around the kenosis, him. Chapter 1, chapter 2, he speaks of unity in chapter 2, admonishing the church to seek, to live out unity. And 3 and 4 all circle back to the kenosis, him. How... Ought they, and how ought we to find unity in the body of Christ? How are we to find unity at home and throughout our day-to-day lives? He says, have the attitude which is in Christ. In other words, he says to us today, when there is Disunity in the church. Have the attitude of Christ. When there is confusion in your heart, have the attitude of Christ. When there is trouble in the home, have the attitude of Christ. When you are in turmoil at work or in school, have the attitude of Christ. And so we ask, well, what is the attitude of Christ? Well, the attitude of Christ in this beautiful poem goes in two ways. It is Christ revealed through his descending humiliation. And Christ revealed through his ascending exaltation. Today we will spend most of our time marveling, and I hope you will, and I think we all will, at least we ought to marvel at the descending humiliation of Christ. Let's follow the text. We're going from the highest to the lowest point. Where did Christ come from? He was in the form of God, equal with God. There is a word being, and being speaks of the unchanging nature of who Christ is. Unchangeably true about him. But dear friends, brothers and sisters, how much do we really know about what it is like to be equal with God. I mean, we, we, we may have some basic theological understanding of what it means, that he is indeed equal with God, but what is it like to be equal with God? 
Do we have a glimpse of heaven from Scripture? Well, Isaiah chapter 6 talks to us about the, the throne in heaven, the seraphim that are there flapping their wings. Ezekiel 10 talks about the wheels within wheels or the, the gyroscope of the cherubim that move about in the heavenly realms. Daniel 7 speaks to us about the ancient of days. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about getting caught up in his vision of the third heaven and seeing things in paradise that are too great for the human language to articulate. And in Revelation 1, we see him with the white hair like wool. But our highest thoughts are a mere tinge, tinge of the greatness of his glory. So how are we to measure? How are we to measure from where Christ came? To have a sense of what it means of his descending. It is impossible to grasp in other words, his descent is far greater than anything, anything we could imagine. What did he do? What did he do? Christ descended by emptying himself. This is the first descent. He deprived himself of content. He did not consider equality with God a, a thing to be grasped. In other words, he wasn't guarding his divinity. He wasn't holding on to it. He wasn't saying, I'm here and you are there, 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 there. The attitude is that of ekenosin. That's how we get the word kenosis, emptying. We must note here a few things, points of clarification. That this does not mean that he stopped being God when he descended. That would be impossible. Nor did he put aside some of his divine attributes. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ is God. But he did lay aside, for a time, his glory. In other words, according to John 17, verses 1 to 5, his glory was veiled. So, therefore, when we look in Matthew 17, verses 1 to 3, the Mount of Transfiguration, for a moment, Peter, John, James, got to see the glory. It's been said that if the glory was shown, we would not be able to bear it. We would, that, that is why when, when the glory is shown, people have no other response but to just fall. To fall. Very God of very God. Infinitely rich. All powerful. He emptied himself. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says... 
For by him all things were created in, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or powers, authorities, all things, let's say together, all things, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Astronomers tell us that the sun, our sun, is one of two billion stars at the least in the Milky Way galaxy. We are also told that there are at least 100 billion galaxies in the universe. That is 200 sextillion stars. 200 billion trillion stars. Hebrews 11.3 says, The universe was created by the word of God. Christ Jesus, creator, becomes a creature. But he doesn't stop there. He descends by taking the form of a servant. He came to serve, not to be served, Mark chapter 10. He came to be a doulos. Servant has a domesticated view to it. There's, a, there's a, a, a level of dignity compared to doulos, which means a slave. He came to be a slave. John 13, 14 to 17, Christ shows the example of washing the feet, a lowly position. He could have come as a king, he could have come as the wealthiest man on the face of the earth. But no, 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 no. He descends to be a slave. But he doesn't stop there. Christ descends by being born in the likeness of men, in human form. This is the marvel of the incarnation. The eternal God unites with human nature. Born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth, crucified at Calvary for us. The embryo conceived of by the Holy Spirit becomes a fetus. Gestated nine months lies in the amniotic fluid of the virgin's womb and squeezes through the birth canal to be born, to feed, to lay where, 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 where the beasts of the field feed. I ask, why a human? Oh, Creator, why? 
Why a human? Why not another creature? Why not a, another eternal creature? Why not be a seraphim? Why not be a, a, a cherubim? Why not be an archangel? Instead, he chooses to come. as the seed of Abraham, as the son of David, for us. He experienced weakness. He experienced hunger and thirst and sorrow and pain. But Christ descends further he descends by humbling himself. What will Jesus not do for us? How far is he willing to stoop? Charles Spurgeon says, the lower he stoops to save us, the higher we ought to lift him in our Adoring reverence. Blessed be his name. He stoops and stoops and stoops. And when he reaches our level and becomes man, he still stoops and stoops and stoops lower and deeper yet. He could have been born in a palace he could have laid in a golden crib. He could have been born in a town like Weston and be destined to go to the river school. <laughs> he could have skipped being a baby. He could have skipped teething. He could have skipped the fevers of a child. He could have skipped over woodworking craftsmanship of his father Joseph. He humbled himself and waited 30 years before preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He humbled himself and chose the lowly to be his disciples instead of the intelligentsia. He humbled himself and let the devil tempt him. He humbled himself and became a man of sorrows. One would think if one is called a man of sin, that the man of sin is always sinning. Christ is called the man of sorrows, which indicates to us that he was perhaps always sorrowing. Are you broken inside? Do you know someone who is broken inside? Is there sorrow that weighs heavy on your heart? Beyond words. But well, we have one, a man of sorrows, who knows the unspeakable low and brokenness of humanity. In your situation. He humbled himself and was jeered by people whom he created. 
who called him crazy. But there's more. Christ descended more. He descended by becoming obedient. Part of verse 8. Jesus' way of humbling himself was by obedience. There is no more pristine way of humility than obedience. One does not have to act humble. One does not need to say humble words to convey or project an air of humility. Obedience is the ultimate form of that. As in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. To surrender to God means to act upon His leading. See His obedience to the Father. The Father speaks. The Father leads. He was, his life was shaped by prophecies. He prayed like none of us pray. He focused on seeking and saving the lost. He waited on the Father and finished the work. John 8, John 6, 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. But he stoops further. He descends by becoming obedient to the point of death. He died willingly. You and I have no choice about that. Hebrews 9 tells us that it is appointed unto to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. But Jesus said, I lay down my life on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. He even chose not to open his mouth. when he was pressured to give a defense. A resonance of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 7. But he descends further. He stoops yet again. Christ descended by becoming obedient to death on the cross. Death alone is not the end. He stoops and stoops. His humiliation drops further. Roman crucifixion was the most shameful of deaths. Roman execution was to be done near feast days. So you hear about the Passover. Purposeful. Why? Because that is where and when the most people can see the horror of the killing. He died as a criminal. He was made a curse for us. Cursed 
is everyone that hangs on a tree, Galatians 3.13 and Deuteronomy 21.23. Mangled and bloody, the atoning sacrifice for you and me. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He stoops and stoops. He goes lower than anyone has ever gone. But we must not stop there. Because as we read on in the kenosis hymn, The self-emptying leads to an ascending exaltation. Like a parabola. Can you see it? Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave to him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Time does not allow an exposition on this part. But know this, that in the lowest, the most degrading and humiliating dissension, therein is the crux of the ascending exaltation. That is a picture of all life, all who live, in Christ. Are you there? A police officer found a little girl crying one day. What's the matter, he says to the girl. She says, I'm lost. Do you know your address? No, she says. Well, do you have your parents' phone number She shakes her head again and begins to sob even more. The police officer looks at her and suddenly sees a change in her eyes. Her eyes brighten. Her face lights up and she says, the officer looks and says, what happened? He says, she says, I I remember. I remember that that, that near, near my house, there is a church. And at the church, there's a cross. Take me to the cross. Take me to the cross. Because when I see the cross, I will be able to find my way home. My friend, are you looking at the cross? Do you know that at the cross, the cross of Christ, that there is the answer for the unity 
we long for. Not just speaking esoterically about unity broadly, but unity personally. To be whole, to be sound, to be healed, to be healthy in Christ. Let us remember in closing today that the greatest humility is obedience as shown in Christ. And as we pray in a moment, I want to ask, is there anybody, one person even here, who has not turned to the cross of Christ to open their heart to the Creator, the Lord Himself? And I would encourage you today to do that, to take that step. As we pray, I want us to make this our prayer. It is a relatively modern worship song, but I think it's very fitting during the Advent season. And these are the words. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay, Set my feet upon a rock, and now I know. I love you. I need you. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. My Savior, my closest friend, I will worship you until the very end. May that be our prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.